So let's stand open our Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or uh, compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they uh, measuring themselves by themselves, bad idea. Comparing themselves among themselves, bad idea. They're not wise. The sin of comparing, the problem is part of human nature. We all do it. God says it shouldn't happen. It's unwise. Not like social media has really helped us in that area either. You have people, uh, the only purpose of Facebook is so you can see uh, five minutes of my life that you ought to envy because I don't have a life that you should envy, but if I package it properly and take the right picture and show you the meal that I just missed, spent money on, maybe you can be covetous, envious, or desirous of the little that I have that you don't. Amen. How strange is all of that? I, I never truly have wrapped my mind around people sending out pictures of what they're doing moment to moment, what they're eating and where they're riding their bike. And it's boredom on a different level. And Paul had no clue of social media when the Holy Spirit guided him in writing this. Uh, so... We're talking about going back several thousand years, and it was still an issue. And here's what we do. We just, by nature, tend to look at someone else's car and say, boy, I think I really need one of those. I don't have any tools, but I could sure use a truck. I don't have a pet. I don't have a bike. I don't have a ratchet set, but I could sure use one of those diesel dualies right there. Especially now the gas is getting so high, it'd do me some good. It's amazing where the comparisons take us. People are trying to let you know where they're vacationing and what neighborhood they live in and, and their newest appliance and the backsplash. Actually, we're not interested in your backsplash, so you don't need to put that on. Say, Pastor, how do you know this? I didn't think you had Facebook. I don't. But I'm guessing. I'm guessing that I'm guessing right is what I'm guessing. I bet people tend to compare places and look on the other side. Uh, we always feel like the, the grass is greener. And whatever the case, making those kind of comparisons, it's wrong, it's sinful, but it's normal and it's natural. And here's what I want you to do tonight. Just be honest because we all tend to do it regrettably, not occasionally, regrettably, it's every single day we catch ourselves making the comparison and we're looking at someone's suit or someone's dress or someone's glasses or someone's shoes or someone's spending habits or someone's income or guessing. Not only that they have more, but why they would have more and causing ourselves to be, become frustrated. So a couple simple points tonight about comparisons. Number one. Comparisons are wrong because they either make you feel superior or inferior. And that's not of God. So we like to simply ask this question, <coughs> are, are they actually better? And then we fill in the blank. Looking, I really don't want to spend time with them if they fall in those categories. I have people, the debt that is being created because someone has more and I've got to, I've got to maintain the status or style of life, and I don't feel comfortable in this car that's 12 years old, especially not with those rims. 
when Robert's pulling up with the nicest rims in the whole parking lot. <laughs> Lord, at least give me the money to afford new rims on this junky old car. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing what we get pleasure and satisfaction out of in life? And how many times have we made a purchase based upon a comparison? We saw, I say we, I don't wear them, but we saw a necklace or earrings or shoe style or for a woman that purse and I like one of those. I need one of those. I've got three, but I need four. It's just normal. It's natural. Here's the problem. This constant battle for men is, do I have a better position? Am I more recognized? Do I make more money? Can I provide better? And we get in this silly little habit uh, of, of trapping ourselves. Either, it's either that, uh, making ourselves feel better, or falling into the pity uh, of we're constantly seeing ourselves. I'm not as smart as him. I, was, uh, I didn't have it as... I wasn't born into that lucky family. I don't have an inheritance. I wasn't able to get that job. I didn't have parents that facilitate my life. I didn't have the same education. I didn't get to go to college. So here's the problem with comparisons. It constantly creates either insecurity or pride. And both are sinful. Now, here's, here's what's crazy about this. We are so insecure and so predestined to... Make comparisons. It's literally, it's human nature. It's from the foundation of the earth. It's in you. And you got to fight. But as, as a parent, I've, I've watched parents, literally, if their kids are playing, they'd be playing kickball or softball or football. And if a hot shot on the other team drops, same team as their child, drops a pass, they're excited because their kid's not a good catch. So if one of the other stars can actually look bad, it makes them feel better. You say, oh, pastor, I, yeah, yeah, it happens right here. <laughs> it actually happens in Baptist churches among Baptist brethren. Almost happy that it, it, your child comes home and says, Dad, I got a B minus. A B minus, son, I've told you, you have superior DNA. You should be getting straight A's. You should not lean towards your mother's side of the family. I, I have provided you with superior intelligence. And then he says, but Dad, you know that Misty, she's the smartest kid in class, and she got a C. Okay, don't worry about it. There's a celebration over someone else doing worse or having less or fighting harder or getting fatter. You know how we gauge if we look old or not? It's someone else. Well, he's 40, and look at him. I wouldn't feel too old. Look at Pastor. Let's just be honest. We, we do this kind of thing, and it's either to make ourselves feel better or feel worse, and we're in this constant struggle of looking at others, using them as a measuring stick to either make us feel superior or inferior. And you can understand who's, who's talking here. This is Paul. You say, would this happen among apostles? Oh, this, this is what he's addressing. This is what was happening. Go keep your finger here, but remember back 1 Corinthians in our study in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Yes, this happens among apostles. Not just false apostles, but the real deals. Look what's happening in the church. Verse 4. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulus. And are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who's Apollos? But minister, they were making these comparisons. Now, first of all, I know this. Back then, Paul hadn't written 13 books of the Bible or started uh, a dozen churches or trained dozens of preacher boys. You know, he was just early in his ministry. 
But can you imagine if you're being compared to the Apostle Paul? That's just not fair. Can you imagine? Our brother Willette comes to town and he says, Preacher, you know, he's written 10 books, pastored 1,800 people, and traveled 52 meetings a year. When are you going to get started? <laughs> Soon, I'm open. Now, here's the deal. Apollos was a great orator, and Peter had a dynamic personality. Here's what you got to understand. We, we get jealous in life because we look at someone as the perfect package of intelligence and personality and, and financial stability. There, there is no perfect person, perfect package. You're seeing the superficial. Everyone comes with hurts and pains and problems. You just don't get to see that side. He said, I've planted a pulse water, but God gave the increase. So neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth. And that's the way we judge people, by the superficial. That, that man's reap more. That man's reap less. He has a bigger church. He has less people. He has a larger ministry. He's been more successful because we measure everything numerically speaking. So a bigger bank account. He's taller. His IQ is higher. He's, that's a place where we just look and judge and constantly say, Am I better, bigger, or smaller? The ladies are all acting innocent, but they, they have quite the habit of doing the same thing. Back in our text, look what Paul said. Here was one of the comparisons that was made. Verse 10, the comments. Speaking of Paul, they said, For his letters say they are weighty and powerful. Well, yes, obviously, because they're Holy Spirit filled. They're inspired. But his bodily presence is weak. Now I'm starting to feel better about the comparison with Paul. Maybe that's two of us that were bald and yet very good looking. <laughs> Touch and charm. Guess time your laughs better be a little more appropriate during the service. Yeah, Pastor, you're more of the last phrase than the first. His speech is contemptible. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know what was being done? What were they comparing him to? Apollos. So when you have someone who was a very gifted speaker, and they said, Paul, he just doesn't measure up to Apollos. Yeah, be careful about measuring up. This is the same man that raised the dead and cast out demons and traveled the world and uh, one of the greatest missionaries in the history of mankind. You just don't want to get into the business. No one's win. winning. A, a comparison is a lose-lose situation for anyone that's involved in that business or in that Habit. Amen? Amen. I watch people go on diet plans. You know why? Only because they saw someone else lose weight and they thought, I will have that figure if I diet in that manner. And it obviously didn't happen. <laughs> I wouldn't make comparisons. Now, go, go to John 20. John chapter 20. Even the best of Christians... Some of the better Christians, you know, in the New Testament, they tended to make these kind of comparisons look, look a little silly. Now, I'm just going to give you my point of view. You don't have to agree with me. I think God does interesting things in inspired scripture. He really gives us a deep look into the personalities, how he did it. This is straight from heaven, God's word, and yet he included the personalities of the people that were writing the scripture and being portrayed in the scripture, and he gives us important details that we often, too often, overlook. Okay, this is the, the tomb, first day of the week. They're coming. Christ is risen. And Johnny is speaking of this very important moment. Now, when you're talking about a very important moment, concise, 
precise description of what is taking place is very important. So John, writing about himself and Peter, says this, verse 4. So they, speaking of John himself and Peter, so they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter. Okay, John, don't, don't break your arm. You're faster. <laughs> now, if you would have just said, I was faster once, we'd say, okay, way to write it, John. But no, he's, he's got to... There was something there that he just had to let the whole world know. He was actually, he must have been fatter than Peter. And they must have given him a hard time. We need to just have a foot race. And John's like, we've never done it. And I'm going to take him right now. So he writes in scripture. But he writes in such a way, he didn't say, I'm faster. He said, so they ran both together. And the other disciple, me, parentheses, they did outrun Peter. And came first, so twice. He came first to the sepulcher and Stooping down and looking, and he saw the lint clothes. Then, <laughs> huffing and puffing, come and Simon Peter. He's following. He's, he's behind, but he, he's a good jogger. He gave me some competition, but he's just a little, little slow side. And, and he went, hold, hold on for a second. He's not done. Verse 8. Then went also that other disciple, which came first. <laughs> Can you leave it alone already, John? You won! Give him the shirt. Pin the badge to the chest. Can, can we be honest? Who's going to write four times? There is some kind of comparison that's taking place in the Holy Scripture. Now, hold on for a second, because the next chapter continues to show us this competitive spirit that was taking place. So, John 21, verse 7. And you've got to love this, too. This is his book. This is the only way it's written this way. Uh, therefore, that disciple... <coughs> Whom Jesus loved, me. No one else recognizing that Christ is there. He says now to Peter, hey, Peter, it's the Lord. First in races, then first in discernment. Now, this was not one way comparison's competitive spirit. Because in verse 20, so Christ addressed Peter, we know do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love thee. Feed my sheep. Okay, so then verse 18, he described to him what the death that he was going to die. Martyrdom. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and thou shalt gird thee. In this, verse 19, spake he, signifying by what death Peter should die and glorify God. And when he spoke these words, he, he tells Peter, follow me. And Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, there's just something irritating about that person that always talks about himself in the third person. <laughs> uh, Peter, turning about, see the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned upon his breast at the Lord's Supper, said, Lord, which is he that betrayed thee? Then Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what shall, pointing to John, what shall this man do? Okay, I'm going to die. It's all bad. I'm getting hung upside down, crucified upside down. It's all bad news. What about John? My point is comparisons everywhere, and preachers do it, and Sunday school teachers do it, and wives do it, and teenagers do it, and kids do it every day. Trans gifted because he has human nature, and Riz is gifted. And we compare kids, and we compare students, and we compare members, and there's just this lifestyle that constantly is, I can feel better about myself if I'm either lifting myself up or tearing that person down. And as soon as someone praises him, I'm just waiting to let them know the truth. Number two, 
And comparisons keep us from living content. Now, here's the problem. If you were making comparisons, you would actually be pretty happy with your house. But you visited someone else in the house that just did new flooring, and you said, our flooring is six years old. Babe, and carpet has lots of germs. Get rid of your pet. Don't get rid of your floor. <laughs> Explain that. Uh-huh. You fix a lot of problems. Amen. James 3. <laughs> if you guys only understood how filtered I was actually being tonight. James 3. Here's the problem. It's, it just keeps us from living content. And it's, comparison is actually based on the sin of envy and covetousness. That's the base sin. And we look around it and it just creates more and more. James 3 verse 14. But if you have bitter envy... And strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom, this form of comparing ourselves descended not from above. It's earthly, it's sensual. Look what God says. It's devilish. From where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. So we're looking at other people, the ministries, and the blessing that God's given them. And then you go on to Pinterest and it just reminds you of everything you don't have. Their house is so beautiful and look at mine. We bought our wall decorations at Yard House. And those people obviously spent some blame, spent some change. Could you please buy me something of value? Even if we don't say it, it's crossing our minds. And why do we have a sectional and a recliner? Not only do they not match, they should not be found in the same living room. Although they're 10 times more comfortable than that $5,000 set you just sat on and coveted. Amazing how as soon as we see something else that we think is a little bit better, suddenly we have to do an upgrade. If Americans lived ever in the history of mankind in, in such a state of mind of what has, has to be upgraded, that sink. You know there was a day when it was broken, you fixed it, and when you could no longer fix it, you jimmy-rigged it. And when you could no longer jimmy-rig it, you asked around the church who was getting rid of a sink. And now, no, it's just, I don't like the design anymore. Six months old. Look at that changed. And people live wanting his job and his car and his house and his neighborhood and his family and his income. All right, here's the problem. Really what comparisons is, it creates covetousness, and covetousness is gratitude on the very highest level possible. When we talk about ingratitude, when we live covetousness, there's just something, Christians, here's, here's what we got to understand. There's something in our relationship that will never be right with God until we get grateful for how he made us and where he's placed us and who we are and what we have. Your relationship with God can never be right and you can, until you can say in all sincerity, God, I thank you that you've allowed me to be Adam Thompson. Acorn-shaped head, priestly in the back, <laughs> turning gray prematurely because of the saints that I pastor. <laughs> Everything good that God has given us, we can always undervalue by simply looking at someone else that we think has a better life or a better look or a better ministry or a better house or a better education. Number three, comparisons will eventually lead you to be angry with God. 
Now, this is the scariest part about comparisons. I've watched people literally. At some point, people look at others and say, I am more deserving of being blessed. I've literally had friends now in ministry that have left ministry, and I believe the root sin is comparisons. I told our college kids, the best day of your life can be the worst day of your life. The best day of your life is when you come to realization of who you are and then accept it. I've watched people go to the mission field, and they get on the mission field, they begin making comparisons to the biggest name and the largest ministry, and then try to duplicate that or become that, and when they can't, they feel like they're a failure and quit. No, the best day of my life was, you know, you go to Bible college, people say, man, if you surrender and you submit to God, you can be the next R.A. Tory or Billy Sunday or Jack Coss. And the answer to all that is, no, 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 you idiot. No, you can't. God only made one of those people. No one can be a better you than you, so don't, don't try to duplicate anything. And as soon as you start comparing, it's, it's not, I get angry with God. Yeah, Brother Joel Logan is such a great pastor. It drives me crazy. When you're around, you can't get anything done. If I got someplace to go and I'm going to be there in five minutes, guess what, folks? I'm going to be there in five minutes. Not Brother Joel. He may be there in three hours and five minutes. Brother Reuben, how you doing? Nice tie. How you been? You're looking kind of healthy or wealthier and wise. Tell me about your life over the past three days. I'm like, no, we're in a hurry. Shut it down. <laughs> you get to Brother Brand Logan, the way he expounds on the scripture. Yeah. Every time you listen to him, you just say, my goodness, Lord, if you'd give me some of that. It doesn't matter where I am or who I'm with. I marvel, Brother Wilkerson. It's no wonder God put him there at First Baptist Hammond. You're your pastor and seven, eight thousand people. However many pastors, people we pastors. When you're that good with names, and you remember every child and every baby and every uncle and every sister, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. I'm sitting up on the stage today, and I look back halfway, and a woman catches my attention. I'm like, "Oh, who's that beautiful girl there? It's in the middle of the auditorium? That's your wife." <laughs> Praise God for that. <laughs> I just had to wake some of you up. I mean, you're just... no, it's, it's phenomenal, but I can't make those comparisons because at the end of the day, it's only going to discourage me. And I'm going to get frustrated with God. God, really? Uh, you had to give Gene that voice and me the Billy Goat voice? You couldn't have provided that to someone who had no intention of singing or soul winning or preaching? I mean, Lord. You wasted that voice on John Denver? You need an explanation there. I don't know. That's who Miss Sullivan tells me about. You've got to say, I, I'm just going to run my race. Whatever God has given you and the people that God's having you witness to or disciple in the ministries you're in, and if you're with five-year-olds or with, you're with teenagers, if you're in the Spanish ministry or the English ministry, wherever God has placed you, you've got to say this exactly where God has me. I'm going to run as hard and as fast and as spirit-filled as possible, and I'm not going to make a comparison to another pastor, another youth pastor, another, another Sunday school teacher, another church member, another singer, another pianist, because... God made you to be you, and as soon as you make a comparison, you're going to get frustrated because you always find someone more talented, and to put things in perspective, then you're going to have to either attack them or just go find some real loser and say, look at me, kids. Look at them and look at me. Thank God for the gift of me to you because you could have had him. Don't tell me that you've never done that. I've never done, but I've been tempted.
Number four, comparisons take the measuring stick out of God's hand, and it puts it in your hand. Let's read one more text, and we'll, the text will be done. 1 Samuel 16. Now let me ask you this simple question, not a trick question so you can actually answer. And Miss Debbie's not here to answer for me tonight. <laughs> My helper is gone. Are you ever supposed to use anyone else in life as a measuring stick? No. Ever. Am I supposed to measure my Christian life by someone else? My walk with God by someone else? My preaching ability? The size of my church? My kids and how they're doing? Am, am I ever supposed to, make, supposed to make any of those comparisons? Am I supposed to look at my Spanish church and say, we're eight years old because we have this attendance and you have that attendance that makes me inferior or superior? What an amazing how we've taken the measuring stick out of God's hand and say, I'm the measuring stick, or I'll use Robert as the measuring stick, I'll use me as the measuring stick, I'll use my ministry as the measuring stick, I'll use my gifts as the measuring stick, I'll use my intelligence, my success, or my lack of success. It doesn't matter what you're using, good or bad, when we make ourselves the measuring stick, we say, God, I'm smarter than you. We place ourselves in the seat of judge. It's a really bad place to be. Because the problem is we see just the superficial. And God sees the bigger picture. And God's not in the business of saying short is based upon you or tall is based upon you. God says, no, that, that's not the way I measure people. Look what it says, 1 Samuel 16, verse 6. And then when it came to pass... There were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Surely that's the way we measure. Now, what was he basing that on? Totally on looks. And he immediately said, This man is sharp. He's stunning. He's talented. He's good looking. He looks like a natural leader. He must be the man. But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, because the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And then Jesse called Abinadab and made him to pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Do, do we understand comparisons are all about what I think meets the description of qualified candidate or pleasing or successful. So I have, in the problem is my preset conditions are very determined, are very different than Robert's. We look at beauty a different way. We look at intelligence a different way. We look at success a different way. But you're not the one that defines it. God's the one that does that. And comparisons say, uh, I'm going to set this person up the standard or myself as the standard. And if people don't meet that standard, they just simply don't qualify. We should never trust our own assessment. Now, here's the bottom line. We're finished. Comparisons will constantly keep your focus on yourself instead of God. In ministry, my focus is supposed to be on God. God, what do you, what do you want here? I can't travel to another church. I, I'm not going to travel and look at Brother Logan's. Uh, we've been at Brother Brent's. And we'll be at Brother Joel's and Brother Augur's. And wherever we travel, whoever we're with, whatever's going on. I can't imagine if in Mexico I made a comparison to Brother Gentry's in Malawi. And I've got three preacher boys, and he has 300. One of the most discouraging things that happened to us in ministry, we went to Mexico about the same time. Matt and I, he did Tula after he left Monterey, and after we left Argentina, 
And we're only 60 miles away, basically started just a few months apart from each other. And as a missionary, you're looking for land. We're in the city. He's in a, a smaller town. And next thing you know, he's found land. We haven't found land. He puts up the building. He's put up the shell, and the church, our group comes down. And here we are meeting in this pretty good-sized auditorium. And I still don't even have land. Six months passed, a year passed, and two years passed. And you know what I did? God, can you help me out here? Can, can you tell me what I'm doing wrong? Can you poke the hole in my prayer life? Can you identify where I'm lacking? Am I not deserving? How is it that he not only has land, he has a building and it's up and we haven't even found a piece of land? And we looked around, we made all these bids, I about lost my mind. We finally bought a piece of property. And I remember Brother Camilleri brought a group down. It was an old abandoned lot that they had started building the, digging the foundation for it and they'd uh, decided not to go ahead with it. So it, it looked horrible. You know, you just have literally 10 foot, you know, holes throughout the whole piece of property, garbage thrown in uh, on a dirt street. And I remember Brother Camilleri, I'm all excited because we finally have our piece of property. He gets out, he takes a look, he goes, you bought this? <laughs> Brother Cam's been a good friend for a long time. Thank you, Brother Cam. I appreciate that word of encouragement there. He's always, normally, always encouragement. But it was just hard to see because it, now, you know what happens? We go there and we look, it's become a main street. And it's ideal. You have park on one side and the city park on the other side. It's literally, it could be more ideal, but I couldn't see that at the moment. God put it all together and gave us a gorgeous building and he financed it. And now we look and I think, why did I, why did I have that one moment where I literally, I'm going to confess, I literally fussed at God. You know why I fussed at God? Because Matt was down the road and it was easy to use him to make a comparison. And because I made the comparison, I found myself upset. That's a problem. So there's some very important information, instruction here in Scripture. Comparing themselves among themselves and Christian, this one sin we have to say, okay, I have a tendency to do it every day and what I need to do is stop and say, God, help me to, to break a habit and develop a spiritual habit that says, I just need to worry about what God thinks. End of the day, it doesn't matter what suit brand I have or what purse I own or how many or what car I drive, or who has more money saved up. None of that matters. What matters is God happy with who I am and what I'm doing today. 